and welcome to episode 45 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are Subaiku and Thomas. Subaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Thomas, how's it going tonight with you? Pretty all right. <laughs> Just like us, we are the Brood Sages. Easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who just wanted to have a my buddy so that you had someone to play with, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So guys, it's uh, November. We're about a little over a week in. Uh, and we have concocted, I, I credit Thomas with this, a uh, a new and improved meta report, which we kind of dropped on the world unannounced one day, <laughs> kind of just went live with the beta. Um, Thomas, where did this come from? First off, um, I think I was like just halfway asleep and one night and I was like, you know, it would look really cool if we made some bar charts to try and figure out like what the meta looked like and fell asleep. Subaiku the next day said something about the meta and where things are at with like the uh, November changes. And that, uh, prompted me to remember my half asleep, uh, days that I had. And it was like, oh Yeah we need to do this and we're doing this today and we just kind of got together and started cranking things out <laughs> so uh and, and we did right i mean it it, it went live uh, uh late that day um uh, for, for those of you who remember the old bs meta report um this is actually a a, a better meta report it is um not updated once a month it is all the time updated every time somebody puts in uh, another report of a game. So this is, you can think of this as even more BS than the original BS meta report. Um, but yeah, so so um, let's talk through it a little bit to try to help people understand. Sibaiku, um, we, we aren't collecting everything, right? We're only collecting very specific things. What are we collecting in terms of data? So now we're only collecting frequency data, whereas before we had a frequency score and a power score where we try to assess the strength of each archetype uh we we've given up on the power score that was really a subjective input from our volunteers and uh while we appreciate their effort and their contribution quite a bit uh this time around we think that it's a little better if we open up the reporting to a wider audience and keep it less subjective and more data-driven. So right now, what we're collecting is just, what is your opponent? What league are they in? What faction are they playing? And what archetype in that faction are they playing? And that's it. And we're just trying to track frequency across the different leagues. Uh, and really, again, just like the problem we had with the last one, it's only going to be as good as the data that we have entered. So I would urge you, if you are listening, please input your games. We put together a really easy reporting form. Uh, and thank you, Freeloader, for that. Oh, it was, it was my pleasure. Um, the easier and simpler it is, uh, the more I am compelled to do it. <laughs> As soon as you add any degree of difficulty, I'm like, meh. Um, but yeah, there's only three questions, Thomas. Um, and uh, I think it's really important to make sure everyone understands we are not recording, nor do we ever wish to record the names of the players who are who the you know who was who playing the deck. We're not trying to track, oh, such and such player is making the top 100 with 
this deck. Let's watch out for him kind of thing. We're targeting no one. It's just a question of you. your your opponent was in what league, uh, what faction, what archetype. Now within that, Thomas, though, we are taking that very small amount of data and we've actually turned it into two separate presentations. What are the two graphs that we're showing? So the first one is the uh, the pie chart over the course of the last 72 hours live. Um, so you can see exactly as of like right now what people have been playing over the course of the last 72 hours in a nice pie format. So you know exactly uh, just at a glance how much um, of each archetype and each faction is being played. Um, and then on the second tab, we've got the the bar charts, um, my personal favorite, because you can kind of see the trends over time and which things are growing and which things are, are getting smaller. And so with the uh, bar graphs, um, it takes a look at the snapshot over a three-day period. So um, like right now, we've got um, four time periods worth of data in the bar chart form. And the oldest one, when we went live with this thing on November 1st, is going to be from November 1st to the 4th in that first entire bar. And then in the second bar that we've currently got is the 4th to the 7th, so on and so forth, all the way up to today, which is the 10th. So today only has one day's worth of data um, by the 13th. Um, the current bar chart that is from the 10th to 13th will be finalized and move off to the left one um, one bar and then the 13th uh, bar chart will get started and uh, we'll be able to start filling in the uh, the data for that one and now that's all well and good um, to see the changes over time but we do want to point out that there there is a little bit of a caveat here that the sample size is small. The number of people we have contributing isn't huge. We're not recording a ton of games uh, right now. As as I'm looking at it, as as it's recording, we're at 200 games in Diamond over the, the course of the month so far. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some fluctuations just just based on small sample size error. Uh, so don't don't necessarily take a you know plus or minus five percent as uh, an indication that the meta is shifting. Yeah, what, what I wanted to point out um, between the two charts is uh, one counts backwards, as Thomas said. It is the previous 72 hours. So what we are referring to as our current meta, that, those pie charts are over the last 72 hours up to this very point in time. This is what we've seen in terms of the breakout of archetypes. The bar charts, however, are are actually not counting backwards from right now. They are counting forwards from the start of the of the season. So everything resets at you know if you're on the East Coast of the United States, three a.m. Uh, on the first, and we each bar think of it as a bucket that gets filled up over a period of time, starting at three a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and moving forward from there. So uh, whenever you're looking at the bars, just be advised the date at the bottom that uh, the title for that bar. So currently the the rightmost bar uh, is dated 11-13-2021. That's the day that bar will be full. Today is the day that that bar starts filling. So it is the least amount of data that will be in that bar today, and it will get more accurate to Sabaiku's point, as we go on, whether or not it ever achieves a level of statistically significant sample size, however, is something we're dependent upon our listeners and just anyone who's playing, uh, who's seen our posts on Reddit 
or in the Discord to to please um, you know just just bookmark the uh, reporting uh, uh, page. It's just a web page. It's a Google uh, uh, Sheets form. Three radio buttons that you have to click and submit, and you're good to go. Uh, and you'll help us uh, get hopefully to the point where all four Heroes League, Diamond League, Platinum League, and Gold League uh, can have statistically uh, uh, relevant sample uh, sizes. Uh, and and right now we're really struggling. I hope we can find more uh, uh, players in gold, especially. We we actually uh, have a bar that's totally empty. The previous bar that ended on the tenth uh, this morning uh, it is empty in gold. No no one reported a single game over those three day periods. So hopefully we can get the word out and get more data in. Um, Thomas, what's your vision? Like like let's let's say right now. We're, we're a little thin on data, but hopefully over the next month or two, this starts to pick up some steam and we get statistically relevant data. What are the kinds of things that you're hoping users of this spreadsheet can 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 gain? Well, you kind of um, touched on it for a, a split second uh, when you had said that the uh, the bar ch- or the the chart uh, resets at the uh, the end of the month, and uh, we spent plenty of time trying to code that in to, to make sure that everyone that's looking at it, depending on uh, what part of the world you're in, when the uh, the thing resets, uh, to make sure that everyone sees that the reset happen at the same time. Uh, and so at the beginning of the next month, after all the nerfs and all the, um, the buffs happen, uh, we can start seeing which factions start picking up steam and which ones start um, losing a lot of their um, extra oomph that they had because they were too overpowered uh, or whatnot. So um, one of the things that would be nice to see is, uh, I mean, if we would have had this back in... I think it was March when we had Amurs and Ubis uh, just dominating the meta with the uh, Ironclad decks and they both got the massive nerf. It would have been really nice to see that uh, maybe they were 50% of the meta or 60% of the meta in Heroes League to see that drop down significantly so that we could actually know for sure that um, Sheepyard hit the nail on the head and reduced down the proper amount of uh, play rate of that faction and of that archetype with the nerfs that they were targeting because this data that we're starting to look at and if this becomes like actually valid we have enough uh, user input then we can understand why truly why sheepyard is doing buffs and nerfs to different things because we're seeing essentially the same data or we will like if we see that shadowfen mid-range is 50 percent of the meta something probably needs to happen there. And over the course of the next month, we are definitely going to see them uh, come up with the buffs and nerfs. And yep, it, it, it's going to, to work itself out. So we're starting to get to see the same data that they have uh, without us having to beg them for the data uh, that they'll never give us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Although, we're shoot, you're going back to March. I think it'd be great to just have had this up last month so we could see... You know, is there a big difference in play rate in winter with the Chillbeards nerf that just happened? <laughs> and if to the wise, absolutely, yeah. Which I, I think there is. I mean, um, looking at Diamond, it's over the course of the four bars that we have, uh, less th- winter control is less than 10% um, roughly over the course of the last 10 days. And I would have said that Gift would be in, well, as far as winter decks go, almost all of them and we're starting to see a lot more winter rush actually this week 
yeah yeah it it's definitely a big a big change to winter i feel like um right now we're seeing that winter is generally like 15 to 20 percent of the meta and uh that does not match with my recollection of last month for sure no 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 there's there's also some other things we we we've we've expanded the bar the the bar charts back quite a bit so that you'll always be able to see a photograph if you will of a snapshot of over a month's data and Sabaiku, i th- i've always had these sort of hunches that you'll be able to see people goofing around uh at the beginning of the month trying out the new buffs trying out the new nerfs trying out the new cards Probably not trying out the new nerfs. <laughs> well, yeah, tr- well, yeah, well, trying to experiment around the trying new out the like, new like, nerfs like, is valid, right? Trying out the new car, the nerfed cards to see if they're still good is still good. certainly something okay. that people do. But, yeah. but I, I feel like maybe the last six days or nine days, so the last two or three bar charts of a month, you'll start to see a shedding of archetypes as people really start to hone in on the three or four that have proven themselves most viable in the meta. And I'm hoping that that's something that we'll be able to see that sort of cyclical nature of an increased diversity at the beginning of the month and a decreased diversity uh, when it's time to get serious. Yeah, I I suspect that that is the case. People are going to go with what has worked best during their testing in the month. You know, you want to spend the first couple of weeks goofing off, then We'll see uh, what that does to your win rate in in the last part of the month as as you go with the thing that is optimized as you try to climb. Uh, my concern with that, though, is that people are probably, uh, at least people with max collections who have the freedom to do that, are probably goofing off in Diamond and then playing in the Heroes League. So uh, splitting between leagues might cause some confusion there. It might might uh, make it a little difficult to track that uh i think it's still probably going to average itself out i mean uh again going back to the the heyday of ironclads uh supreme reign there was still a lot of ironclad being played in diamond well you say uh the heyday of ironclad uh We hypothesized after the nerf to Edric especially, but also Toad, uh, and then obviously Gift and Chillbeards. In fact, there was only one faction that really didn't get a nerf, and (laughs) Edric was one of the biggest counters uh, 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 being played, especially in Swarm Midrange, against uh, Scrap Planners. So here we are. We hypothesized that Ironclad was going to start to dominate. And Thomas, what are we seeing so far in the Heroes and Diamond uh, bar charts? It's pretty absurd. Uh, between 30 and 40% uh, for, for both the leagues uh, pretty regularly. That seems a little high beyond a balance, right? It should be 25% per, per faction. Remind me, what, what's 100 divided by 4? <laughs> yep, that's 25%. And then that's like... We know that Scrap Planners is that good, that it goes into Rush, Midrange, and Control. And so we can see that Scrap Planners is in 40% of decks, which is absurd for a faction card. Yeah, Sabaiku, we, we also saw, at least at first, it looked like a rejection of Swarm Midrange, right? Like our early bars in Diamond especially looked very Swarm Rushy. Yeah, but we're definitely seeing Swarm Swarm Midrange come back as people 
either find different ways to deal with Ironclad or realize the nerf to Edric just was not as impactful as they feared. Uh, we're seeing in both Diamond and Heroes League, Swarm mid-range coming from 5% to 10% to, to maybe even 20% of the meta on our most recent graphs. Again, small sample size there. Super small. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, but let's, it, but let's, it's, it's definitely a rising archetype for sure. And, you know, anecdotally, as somebody who has been trying out a few different Ironclad decks this month, I can tell you I've lost to Dormouser playing Swarm mid-range every time I faced him. He's uh, a great player. That's he, probably the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we actually just did all three Brood Sages and Stony Jay, uh, uh, did a coaching session uh, with a player, Isacoma, who... Um, uh, we had coordinated with in the uh, Stormbound Discord. Uh, so you can find that on my uh, Twitch uh, channel, uh, which is uh, Freeloader uh, SB. Um, Shamelessly plug on your own podcast. There you go. <laughs> yes, that's right. Free, freeloader <laughs> underscore SB, actually. Uh, um, and the VOD on it, uh, if you go back and watch it, you will see that not only did we see a lot of Swarm mid-range during the two hours, but... It looks like Swarm Midrange has decided, at least on that day, that Twilight Prowlers was the card <laughs> to slot in. Because, man, did we see Twilight Prowlers, like, everywhere. It was like three-fourths of games. It was ridiculous. What is going on? I would not recommend putting Twilight Prowlers I in know. your Swarm Midrange deck, but I guess you can catch uh, the Brutages by surprise if you, you do that. Sure can. <laughs> We, but we, we literally told him at one point. I'm sorry, I've got to. We literally told him at one point. I think it was the first game too. We're like, ah, just throw everything on your baseline. It's an it's a swarm mid range deck. They can't play defense. What's, what are they gonna do? <laughs> got totally cleared. <laughs> but oh, all right, so um, I think this actually makes sense though that the swarm mid range was like dead and now suddenly it's uh, making a, a vengeance um, and because Droza even mentioned it I think at one point in the discord that after um, a nerf or a buff uh, players tend to go to the um, extreme with it like mm, oh it's suddenly yes. unviable and so they uh, completely abandon it and look for other things and then over the course of time when they find nothing else that they really like they try it out again and oh it's it's basically just as good as it was i mean look at ubis <laughs> yes yeah no ubis is i think a, a poster child for the oh this must be trash and then within a few weeks everyone going actually you know what it's eh, or gift of the wise <laughs> yes well we we stand by our statement that we we anticipate next year having to talk about the nerf of gift of the wise to 10 mana and i think that's accurate we'll, we'll, we'll get there i gotta say i do not see people trying out gift at nine though uh most of the winter decks that i'm facing now are trying to be a little faster and trying to win before it gets to that point the bots i've run into are still running it which i thought was interesting <laughs> no one's gone back into the bot deck list <laughs> the bot is still cycling to get that in hand at seven I mana and i'm like wait why can't i play this <laughs> what, what do i do <laughs> Um, I have not seen Toad, uh, 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 period. I, I don't think I've seen Toad at all. Has anyone seen Toad this yeah, month? Yeah, not a ton, but um, a handful of Shadowfen matches that I've had. I, I still have seen Toad. It's still perfectly good. Um, you know, it still creates a, a, a nice two-for-one situation where 
it trades into something, gets a buff, and eats something else. Uh, you know, in in general, I don't I don't really have a problem with playing it. Uh, it looks perfectly reasonable as it is right now after the buff, exactly like it was before. Really. Hmm. So yeah, Thomas, I do, you, agree. do you think do you think people are going to come back to it? They've just gone away from it, uh, thinking that well, it's nerfed, so it must be bad. Uh, well, yeah, kind of like the swarm mid range thing. I mean, like when you take a look at how many people are playing um, Shadowfen right now, it just like suddenly exploded in Diamond, and I can say that feels accurate too because almost every game I played today was against Shadowfen, and so <laughs> I'm thinking that people are like, oh, yeah, this is still solid. Yeah, I played one game on ladder today, and shout out to my opponent. Um, Not only did he have one of the most amazingly unexpected synergies with my deck, uh, uh, but his deck was a a Shadowfen control, almost pure Raven deck that um, just, wow. Uh, uh, He he played an Avian Stalkers, and I just ignored it because... (laughs) There was no way I was going to, it was the only card he had on the board. And I'm like, I'm just loading up your baseline, buddy. I already had Trekking Alderman on his baseline. I put two more units on his baseline. I actually um, froze and cleared the unit in front of his Avian Stalker. So that's why that was the only card he had on the board. And it was on his second row or third row. Pardon me. It was on his third row. I think. Eh, second, whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, and uh, yeah, because it moves to his third row at the start of his turn, right in front of my Giovanna. And now there's three units on my on his baseline, my Giovanna in front of it. And that's all that's on the board. He plays Hunter's Vengeance. Oh, and the Hunter's Vengeance deals five to the avian stalkers, which doesn't kill it. So I'm like, Psh, whatever, bro. Doesn't kill my Giovanna either. But, but then the trekking does. alderman starts pinging. And I suddenly realized. <laughs> the tricking alderman is gonna kill it because there's no other target, and it does. And there goes Giovanna, and there suddenly are <laughs> all of these ravens. <laughs> Please don't tell put... me that you lost the avian stalkers. <laughs> I lost. Okay, the the deck was was <clears throat> avian stalkers. Every single other raven, including Claxi, so there was rain, so that, so that was there, and then Kindred's Grace. <laughs> and yes, I lost. I got destroyed because of my trekking alderman being on the board. It's just like, oh my goodness. Props to them though. Kindred's Grace and Avian Stalkers. He's and really Klaxi. going all out. Oh, and the ballsy ballsy deck. I love it. For real. I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be trying it out uh soon because oh man. <laughs> <laughs> first you got to sink some coins into leveling up your uh, level one avian stalkers believe it or not mine are eight, level three but they already have enough copies for like level four and a half i just haven't put the gold in because um until today i didn't think they were worth it <laughs> all right i have to interject hope freeloader here a moment because you and i both did the same thing uh, we both assumed that the gender of opponent of our opponent was male. Uh, we both referred to our opponent as he or him. Uh, that's just our shorthand for a general uh, assumption. It is not necessarily accurate. We do not know. Yes, apologies. Huge apologies. Uh, my opponent was Bungabound, uh, uh, male or female, however they identify. Uh, they are phenomenal. I, I Hats off to them. What a wonderful wonderful deck they have created and um yeah i'm gonna be playing it i'll tell you what i'm (laughs) I'm playing that thing but all right 
So back over to the meta report for uh, a couple more minutes. <laughs> you you had just asked me um, what I kind of wanted to see out of this long term. Um, and how about for you guys? Uh, how about you, uh, Freeloader? What would you like to kind of see out of this long term? Or what do you kind of expect to see out of this? My biggest fear right now, what I'm hoping beyond hope that we will be able to do uh, is provide adequate and useful data to all four of the top leagues. That's Heroes, Diamond, Platinum, and Meta. My big, or, and uh, uh, Gold. Uh, my big concern right now is that we end up having to shave off uh, uh, gold and maybe even platinum because of a lack of contribution levels. And so I that's my big thing right now. What I really hope is that this doesn't turn into just a top of the meta, but turns into a generally useful for, for the vast majority of Stormbound players. And I believe that if we get all four, we have covered the vast majority of Stormbound players. So that's my hope. To alleviate a little bit of your concern, I think the gold meta is mostly going to be due to whatever people have uh, leveled. And I think probably their main concern is um, what they're thinking is, if I sink fusion stones into this card, is it going to be viable? Is it a good card when I reach the top leagues? I don't want to put something into something that's good for gold. I want to put something that's going to be good throughout the rest of my career um possibly but once they put the level here's the thing i don't want to give up on platinum and gold because when they put the when sheepyard puts the level caps on those leagues man let me tell you i have learned from playing in these brawls cards that are good at level five are not necessarily good at level three absolutely and i think platinum's going to be level four and gold will be level three i don't know that Bear that in mind. I don't know that, but I believe the caps are going to be plat four, gold three. And and so there should be a very different meta in gold once that happens. I expect that you're right. And I hope that we have enough contributors in gold that we can actually see the shift and see, you know, the, the number of winter players drop from <laughs> 60% to 10% or whatever. Yes, please. But so yeah, like, so- what- what about you? What, what do you what do you hope for the for this uh, for this new incarnation of our report of BS? Meta? Yeah, you know, I have alluded to it. Uh, really, what I would like to see is just more players get more accurate data in here and really measure how things are shifting over time and seeing what rises uh, to counter what is already dominant. You know, what I mean, like if if ironclad mid-range becomes dominant like it used to in the start of the heroes league then what do people start to play to counter that you know i really want to be able to see that in in graphical format right and you should see that in the bar right thomas mm-hmm. yep absolutely and so yeah the the last thing i would like to or i should kind of put it like a kind of an asterisk on this but um just wanting to let our listeners know we've spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out like the time periods that we want each of these bars. Uh, theoretically, I, ideally, if we had all the input in the world, we could make these bars be like a daily bar. Um, if we don't get enough data over the course of time, we may have to back it up and go to um, entire one week bars. So there might only be like four bars over the course of an entire month. We obviously don't want to do that, but these are just been some of kind of the, the background things that we've been um, discussing to try and get as much 
accurate information for people as possible. Uh, but yeah, so, sure. the, so the just wanted thing, to kind of let people know that, the, that the we may be adjusting. To, the other thing to bear in mind is that um, we have been very, very uh, uh, in, in an attempt to try to keep the reporting as quick and as simple and as painless as possible. We're not asking for a lot of um, specifics. So for example, when you say um, Shadowfen mid-range, most people think Bragda Rain, rightly so, but Chonk Beam is also a Shadowfen mid-range deck. And uh, it is possible that the proper counter to one is not the proper counter to the other. Um, and we're not delineating between the two. So while there will always be issues for example, um, we've for those of you who don't remember, uh, identifying the differences between Ironclad Rush and Midrange back when Ironclad reigned supreme at the beginning of the Heroes League was almost impossible. Every every time we did a meta report, we had to give the caveat of, guys, we don't really know which deck is which. Um, that's still going to be a problem from time to time. But even within an archetype, there could be two or three different decks. And those two or three different decks could be very different from each other. So just bear that in mind. We cannot track at the card level, uh, only only the kind of general archetype level. We just, you know, we would need thousands of data points. We would need Sheepyard's data at that point to really yeah. try to understand... Well, it's either that or asking our, our users to actually write in card names. And at that point, it'd be so cumbersome. No one, even myself, would want to be uh, reporting on each match. And so um, we're trying to, again, keep things as simple as possible. And so unfortunately, the the trade-off of that is getting more generalized information. Exactly. There's only so many times you can type gift, uh, gifted recruit to green prototypes. <laughs> <laughs> Copy-paste. <laughs> Believe it or not, I already have that data. Gifted recruits in a deck rep, uh, only provides a 50% win rate. So I don't think it's actually all that strong of a card. Um, but with all of that in mind, guys, I, I think this would be a great opportunity for us to actually give some insights of what we've seen so far, which granted, please take with a grain of salt, very limited data so far. But uh, Sabaiku, I'm seeing a rise in ironclad control. Are we seeing a lot of Mia Towers suddenly? Is is this becoming a, a thing? Should we be watching out for, for for Ironclad Control becoming a dominant meta deck? Rise is a strong word. Uh, there's always a few diehards. There's always people wanting to try it out. Um, you know, I, I get it. It's it's fun to play. Uh, but as, as things get serious, it's kind of real tough to make that work when... Uh, the meta gets a little more aggressive and you know people always can just put swarm callers in uh I, sorry <laughs> people can always put siege breakers siege. in that makes more sense <laughs> wrong wrong seder, wrong seder. um but realistically you know when there's a lot of towers siege breakers is just such a strong counter and such a, a terribly designed card because it really just shuts down any sort of tower deck uh, that I, I don't think it's necessarily viable long term, but it's fun to mess around with at the beginning of the month. And Thomas, your your thoughts? Uh, is this I something? Think that... Since the beginning of the month, I've literally only seen like two to. Th I've only ran into like two to three um, true shot type decks, so I'm not concerned at all. 
Now, I have seen maybe what I would call more like heavy mid-range rather than strict control, but like Windmakers and Armed Schemers, like cards that are designed to remove your opponent's cards, okay. but not necessarily relying on structures. Um, well, sure. So maybe I, I would, you know, Armed again, Schemers is a control card for sure. Going back to what we said before, you know, we're we're relying on people inputting their faction and people take their best guess as they should, right? Like you, you hardly ever see all 12 cards. You're not really sure exactly what your opponent is playing. You just take your best guess based on what you've seen already. Yep, sure. Correct. And if I, if I see Arm Schemers, I'm guessing control, right? Absolutely. Um, because, yeah, I, w- I would say for myself, like uh, for the Ironclad control decks that I've ran into and what I've been inputting as data for the uh, control decks would have been those Windmakers, uh, Unhealthy Hysteria, uh, Ozone Purifier type decks where they're just trying to mm. chip you away and, and keep you at bay and just uh, keep kind of chipping you away. All right. Interesting. I would tend to play, this is just my bias, I tend to play the Ozone Hysteria kind of decks a little more aggressively. And, you know, then the the Ozone Hysteria combo is just the last little bit of the damage that I need. It's like, oh, okay, I can send in the Hearth Guards for 14 because I know I'll get something to Hysteria back into your base later. I don't even think these people are doing that because they're playing um, Hunter's Vengeance and uh, they're playing their um, unstable build very defensively. And and so that's what uh, immediately makes me think that they're just trying to keep me at bay and control and uh, just shoot from the baseline, essentially. The best question is, is it working? Nope. Because <laughs> I'm playing winter aggro. Oh, you are. Winter well, let me warn you. Um, be careful of that uh, pure Ravens control deck. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm playing winter Jev right now because its best matchup is uh, these ironclad uh, mid-rangey decks. Um, almost all your cards eat up scrapped planners and then everything else is just a little bit larger than their stuff and so um i'm just playing into the meta yeah so Becca, we found that out like icicle jev as a response to a scrap planners is just feels it's, it's even pretty better mean. than edric and then the Old rest edric. of it is basically just you know playing around windmakers and you can do that through positioning mm-hmm. yep you sure can <laughs> so uh, continuing on with like some of these decks, uh, I wanted to t- talk to you guys, ask you guys a little bit about the balance changes since last month. Um, mm-hmm. So we already obviously talked a little bit about uh, Toad and Edric's, um, their changes and Gifts of the Wise and Chilibiers, I guess. So that brings us to uh, Bounded Daemons, Lost Psyches, and Fragmented Essences. Um, Who's a what's in the what? <laughs> The three new ancients uh, that have been uh, changed already in the, the for the first time in the last month. So mm. I'm assuming demons you've never you haven't seen at all yet. Didn't Correct. see it last month to be honest. Yep. So yeah, still unfortunately too weak for the meta. Uh, fragmented essences that was in every swarm deck ever last month. And the play rate uh, has definitely come down at least from what I've seen this month. It's it's something that I do not see very often. I now well, no to make, longer see it at all. Yeah, they, I only they had to make see room for Twilight Prowlers. <laughs> yep, I, I think Head Start took its place again. And then Lost Psyches. Are you guys seeing that at all? Very rarely. Um, I know that some players are experimenting with it. Uh, 
which is great. Like it's it's an overstated three mana card at this point. It's a little unpredictable, which you know it has its pros and cons, uh, but at least makes the games interesting for sure. Um, but it, it's definitely not in heavy rotation, and I assume mostly because most players don't have the fusion tones to bring it up to level five. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fair. So I love it in winter aggro. Um, I I think it's like perfectly mm. statted, and it is again because this winter aggro deck just eats up ironclad the fragmented or sorry lost psyches is essentially um shady ghoul for any faction it plays horrible defense it's a card that you want absolutely as your opener and it's got evasion okay so like when you play it on your turn one against ironclad they are not playing their scrapped planners as their turn one play to eat up your uh, your card that you just played on your turn one because it's just going to move out of the way most likely and continue moving you down the board. So it, it's fantastic about keeping your tempo up, but unfortunately its strength, just like Shady Ghoul, long term gets really bad because you cannot play defense with it just like Shady Ghoul. Um, it, it's just it's too random and you will not be able to make any trade that you want to reliably. So it's 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 a good card and not just defense but offense late game oftentimes you're trying to position things a little more uh precisely than it allows you to do yeah and it likes to teleport behind the thing that's um your unit that's already on their baseline yeah that happens a lot (laughs) that feels bad for three mana though it does, but uh, but just like Shady Ghoul, uh, first turn play, it feels amazing. And, and so I, I put this literally in the exact same slot as a, a Shady Ghoul. Okay. I, I, as we all know, I, I leveled up my... I, I, I put a ton of fusion stones into my trekking alderman so that's my that's my go-to three mana gun right now i'm still in love with it despite its um huge drawback into uh <clears throat> avian stalkers, avian stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> now we have had a couple of days with diehards as an option in the game have you seen anybody playing that the merc nope oh yes that's right he published a video mm-hmm. i got to play against him I will say Sparkly Kitties is everywhere. everywhere. I think that's what happened. I think what happened was um, Sparkly Kitties being an epic requires a lot of fusion stones. And I think a lot of these other cards, um, look, even even a two mana ancient that is overstated, that is very enticing to play. Um, I, I've commented before when Cheapyard has done this, right? They introduce Bisanu and... Uh, at the same time, they're like, so this freezes, but or this this silences, but check out what freeze can do. Freeze, all of it can silence too now suddenly. And so that moment that Bassano should have had was kind of taken away. I feel like that happened a little bit with some of these. These are actually good cards, Thomas. The, the, these new ancients are good cards. They are not star- uh, uh, sparkly kitties. And, and, and so I just kind of feel like in a vacuum these cards would have been heralded as as you know new must-have cards for your deck but with sparkly kitties out there they're like oh yeah i could do that but this is the card i'm gonna upgrade that's fair well sparkly kitties goes into everything um if i had to choose between sparkly and lost in an aggro deck it's a toss-up i'm probably still gonna go with sparkly kitties um i do have to say it's wonky when you're playing both them for sure 
um, because they both like to do their own thing very randomly and, and it can just <laughs> not work out very well for you. <laughs> now, but so at least with Barkley saying... Kitties, it's predictable. You know what it's going to do when you play it, unless you, you know, make a mistake, which I, I just leveled it up at the start of this month and I have definitely had situations where I expect it to want, move one way and it does not. But that's my own fault, not the card's fault. Sebeka, <laughs> so you've said that you would consider taking out gifted recruits for it. Not consider. I have. I have taken out gifted recruits in many of my decks for sparkly kitties. Yep, I'm, that's the right play. Wow, really? All right, just like, so what are the two manas that you're playing in whatever deck this is? Everything that's good <laughs> faction the other specific, four that you want to play <laughs> the faction specific to drop okay. tends to go in pretty much every deck bots, right okay. like destructive bots and then sparkly kitties right. on top of that for sure mm-hmm. uh i've been messing around with um mia upgrade point so you know like mia takes uh, one of those two mana spots yeah. unstable yep, takes a two mana spot you know it, it, they fill Wild up pretty quickly pause. there's a lot of good two mana cards yeah you definitely want wild saber pause right every time Oh man, is it is it really possible that gifted recruits is now just like no longer tier S, but just sort of a tier one two drop? It, I mean, it was never the best two mana card. It was just always highly functional, right? You can use it in almost any situation. It gets the job done, mm-hmm. like yep. Bacardi and Cola. But the more cards that uh, exist in the game, the more good, uh, solid, reliable cards that uh, exist in the game means that old staples suddenly are no longer needed as staples because you've got more options. And so I, I love the fact that Sheepyard is just cranking out cards now because, yeah, people are going to complain about how it's going to take forever to level them up, but they have to exist in the game at some point. Otherwise we're going to have the same stale 204 cards or whatever uh, for forever. So it has to happen sometimes. So let's happen, have it happen sooner rather than later. So we can start getting those copies opened up, start getting our collections leveled up. All right. I'll, 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 I'll get in line with that. The one, the one criticism I will level at Sheepyard in this is that um, there are now, as of later this month, more rares than commons in the game. There are a lot of rares. I've made this joke before, but I don't think they know what rare means. (laughs) You keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, That's bizarre that there's more rares than commons. It never even occurred to me that they were close. Uh, I guess I never really counted. And then one day, Sabike, you mentioned it, and I went and counted. I was like, holy smoke. (laughs) That can't be right. Um. Okay, so so yeah, so uh, you know, it, it, I think it's a legitimate criticism to 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 level that like, look, these are great cards. We'd love to adopt them. We'd love to bring some freshness to the meta. But you make them rarer than common. You're making them more difficult to level up than they would otherwise be. And also, it sure looks like the game could use some more commons. So why not make a couple of these common? I don't know. I'll, I'll open that up to, to both of you. Any Either of you see a, a decent justification for it? No, I think that's really solid. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, I mean, look at uh, what was the other one mana ancient that they released last month i can't remember the name uh, erratic neglect erratic yes. that one 
would have been a great common because um, it honestly is about the same as Summon Militia. I'm hoping you guys played some of the Brawl last week that I got the uh, each card that you played got the random status effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just saw how big of a deal all these status effects are and how most of them are actually terrible. And so honestly, between playing Summon Militia and Erotic Neglects, I... I think that they actually are going to end up long term having about the same play rate as each other uh i, I in, don't know in ranked um in brawl erratic neglects is absurd it goes into every single brawl deck i make i think wow i i think i'm gonna i think if i get erratic neglects up to five i would play it over summon militia for one specific reason normally when i play summon i i cycle summon late usually because i'm looking to put more value on the board than just five but mm-hmm. if i play it late it's because i've already cycled and it's what i've got and i just should put it somewhere being able to put five health in front of one of your opponent's units and getting a clean trade or at least reducing its power level or maybe not putting it directly in front maybe putting it to the side of where it will be such that your opponent has to trade into it first before it can move the, their front further there, there are positional benefits in the mid to late game that i think make erratic neglects a better card for for anything other than a pure rush deck that just doesn't Here's care the counter argument to that you don't want to get to the late game with an aggro deck and there are plenty of games where erratic neglects is either just frozen in place near your baseline because you played it on your first or second turn and it just kind of ran back and forth with confusion or froze itself for like two turns straight and and so it just <laughs> never ends up going anywhere at all. <laughs> and, and so I, I I've had plenty of games where erratic neglects just does not get across the board when I played it right away. Uh, and so yeah, when when you get over to that late game having that positional advantage isn't helping your aggro deck at all anyway. You're already in a much, much worse position. And so that's the reason why I think that they're roughly about the same as each other, honestly. And going back to, you know, summon militia is random. It can spawn on your baseline or whatever. When you just have three mana to start the game, four mana to start the game, you don't mind. You play gifted, you play summon militia, boom. It's either on your baseline or on one row off of it. It doesn't really matter that much at that point. And yeah, you're you're perfectly happy with it. Honestly, uh, in a Mistwives deck going first, I will often play summon and then gifted because I would like to have my gifted set up in such a way that if my opponent, you know, trades through it or plays around it or whatever, I can, you know, depending upon what faction they are, I can kind of set it up such that my summon is in a good spot to activate Mistwives into whatever they play the following turn. So I'll actually play summon first to make sure it's on my baseline because going first, I actually find that advantageous. That's pretty clever. I'm going to have to try that out. Yeah, because once you know where it is, you know where you want to put your gifted in response to it. You know what I mean? But you do not know about that with uh, Erratic Neglects. It may be off to the left or the right or just right there again. (laughs) That's true. Hey, look, it's frozen. After two turns of poison, it uh, wouldn't even proc your uh, Mistwives anymore. So that's also a problem. Now, the one thing, though, is Erratic doesn't get the status effect until after it moves. So, you know, a lot of the time... Only for poison and for... um, And for vitality. Vitality. But for the other ones, yes, it does get it immediately. That's true. Confuse and and freeze will definitely make sure it doesn't go anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so that's basically all of the nerfs from last month. Again, none from Ironclad, which um, our meta report is suggesting might be reaping some benefits of of having dodged the hammer. Um, <laughs> I, sort of, dodged the hammer this time around, but historically, Ironclad has seen in huff. <laughs> I, I still feel like Scrapped is standing uh, uh, extra tall in the four mana slot across all factions right now. Um, I don't know if it's so much that it requires any sort of reaction from Sheepyard yet, but if you're asking me what the best four mana card in the game is right now, it's Scrap Planners. Sabaiku? Yeah, I'm having trouble yeah, disagreeing okay. with you. Yeah, it, yeah. It, Thomas? Pretty solid. Um, I'm still thinking that Scrapped is probably about tied with Toad. You're tied with Toad after the nerf? Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean... Like I said, I got into a pretty good discussion with it on someone on Discord, and they made some very valid arguments. And I, I do think they're like tied now because I think I would have agreed that Toad was better before the nerf, and now I think that they're about tied. They're they're both almost a guaranteed two for one, where you remove two of your opponent's cards for one of yours, and that's really strong. Um, you know, as as far as it goes, a lot of the other four mana cards can situationally be more powerful, right? Like Edric can still put a ton of power sure. on the board. Mm-hmm. Siege Breakers mm-hmm. can remove, you know, 10 mana worth of structures in one go, but it's all highly situational, whereas Scrapped and Toad are both super flexible and you can use them just about any time on just about any board. Okay. All right. Um Either way, though, our, our, our meta report is showing that lean uh, uh, towards Ironclad right now. Uh, hopefully, uh, everyone listening to this podcast will, will tell all their friends to please uh, uh, submit uh, your data uh, every time you play a game. Just post it in. We will have the link in this uh, episode uh, description for the both the meta report and the reporting form. Um, but I think we're going to leave it there, guys. This is... This is what we've done for for the community. We've we've given it a, another go. Hopefully, this one will be more successful than the last. Um, not that the last one failed. Uh, it just it got to be a little too difficult to uh, create a statistically uh, significant sample size of opinions on where the meta was. Uh, and hopefully, this time we'll be able to do it. But that's going to end the main uh, portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you: please contact us, preferably at our channel in the Stormbound Discord server. You can always use Twitter at BroodSages. You can even email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us, our Gumroad account, where you can become patrons of our work. Check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. This week, we heard from Ubermensch, who says, nice interview. I don't play the game anymore, but I still like to hear you guys talk about it. <laughs> Man, I don't even know what to say about that. I'm so sorry to hear that you've left the game. Hopefully, you will come back. Uh, uh, but in the meantime, I mean, if, if we're what holds you to the game, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm shocked, but sure. Why not? Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>